Several new education laws and resources go into effect in Illinois during the 2023-2024 school year. And that school year starts this month for many districts, including the Chicago Public Schools. Can you believe it's August already? Well, here to walk us through some of the changes that students, teachers, and administrators can expect is Nader Issa, education reporter for the Chicago Sun-Times. Hi, Nader. Welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me. I want to start with book bans, Nader. Illinois became the first state in the nation to ban book bans. Remind us what happened and how that's going to work. Yeah, so you might have been hearing about this in other states all over the country, especially in a lot of red states where there's been pushes to ban books that talk about transgender people, about uh, gay history, about uh, African-American history, just all sorts of issues um, that that people pushed, uh, backed by far-right groups like the Proud Boys, pushed to ban those books. So Illinois became the first state to sort of take a proactive approach against that uh, movement. They are passing a law that will force libraries to adopt a set of rules where books cannot be banned based on religious preferences, personal preferences, any sort of uh, issue that people come up with to file a complaint. And if libraries do ban those types of books, they risk losing their state funding. We know that there have been efforts to, to ban certain books in the Chicago area. Tell us a bit more about that story. Yeah, there's one uh, last year in Downers Grove. There's been others in other suburbs. Uh, a lot of them have been around this one book called Gender Queer. Yeah. It's an author's uh, sort of um, journey through gender identity and uh, learning about sexuality. It's not a required book in any of these schools, but it is in the library. And so some parents, and again, backed by some groups like the Proud Boys, um, have showed up at schools, at school board meetings, trying to get that banned. I covered the one in Downers Grove, and it it got to be a bit of a rowdy meeting, um, calling one student a pedophile because they supported the book. Yeah, it's become this big culture war issue across the country. Uh, Why did leaders like Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker and uh, Secretary of State Alexi Janoulias say that this was an important step for the state to take, to ban book bans? Secretary Janoulias had this quote where he he, uh, told the Sun-Times, it's a bit of a slippery slope once you start banning books and, and not taking steps to protect against banning books. Because you ban one book, you ban another, it, where does it stop? Uh, you, the, the purpose of a library, the purpose of a school is to have information available for students, for children, for people to read and learn. And you can't, you can't start banning books because it will never end. And so that's why they really want to take these proactive steps to make sure that, uh, you know, books are preserved in the libraries where people can go, check them out, learn new concepts and ideas. There's also a new law in place, Nader. This one goes into or went into effect actually in June, and it aims to prevent bullying. Tell us more about that one. Yeah, so in the past, there's been this sort of vague concept of schools informing parents um, quickly or as as soon as they could about uh, bullying incidents. They um they wanted to change that illinois lawmakers to make a sort of proactive attempt to inform parents and so 
Now schools have to inform parents or guardians within 24 hours of an alleged bullying incident. Mm. That's both the student who was bullied and the student uh, who bullies an, another classmate. Um, and bullying is widespread in schools, both in in elementary schools, grade schools, in the suburbs and middle schools, and mm. in, in high schools. And so this is an attempt for parents to know more about what's going on with their kids in school. So it's still a big problem in schools. Tell us more about the data and what it shows about how prevalent and what form this bullying can take. Yeah, so the the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services says about 20% of students nationwide from ages 12 to 18 experience bullying at some point uh, in school, and roughly half of the amount of kids actually report being bullied on school property. And so it, it's something that's very prevalent. I mean, one in five kids is getting bullied um, about 15% of, uh, of bullying happens online these days. That's uh, There's been a rise during COVID, um, more things moving online. And so it, it is very prevalent and something that schools and parents will want to keep an eye on. So we just talked, talked about bullying there. Uh, there's also a new resource to help kids with their mental health. Now, we know that the, the pandemic, it led to higher rates of depression and, and other mental health issues in teens. I know that there was also the introduction of, you know, those five mental health days that students could take. What's the new law that went into effect last month? Yeah, so there's a resource called Safe to Help Illinois. It's a hotline that helps students with uh, mental health. It's it's a 24-7 program. Um, students can reach out for help via a, a phone app, text, phone, website, um, it's for mental health, but also just to share safety issues at schools. They want to report it. You can do it anonymously. That information is now going to be required to be on student identification cards that kids will get in the fall when they uh, when they show up to school. Until now, schools could list local resources from their local government, municipality, uh, whatever was available in their town. But now Illinois is trying to bolster its own program to help students uh, report issues. And so those those uh, numbers, that information will be on student ID cards statewide. Governor Pritzker is expected to sign a bill that's requiring all public and private schools to have emergency medicine to reverse an opioid overdose and have that on hand. How big of a problem are opioids in schools? Yeah, so it's it's a growing issue. Young people, students, they aren't the biggest uh, group among opioid overdose victims, mm-hmm. but the number's increasing. Last year, there was a 12-year-old boy in Chicago who died of an uh, opioid overdose. Uh, 13 kids died of fentanyl poisoning in Cook County. Um, but it, it, it's 13... First of all, it's 13 kids, so that's that's tragic, uh, right. no matter how many. But you look at just a few years ago in 2019, that was five children. And mm-hmm. so it's okay. so almost more than triple doubled. the number of yeah. uh, just from four years ago. Um, and there's a, a specific type of drug that's really hurting kids. It's, uh, it's called synthetic opioids. Um, there's uh, uh, synthetic fentanyl, synthetic opioids. They're 50 times stronger than heroin, which we already know heroin is, is extremely dangerous. Um, and it's they're sort of manufactured drugs that have chemicals that really harm uh, people. And so the state's trying to put um, these antagonists, this sort of emergency medicine to reverse o- opioids, 
in all schools. Mm-hmm. Um, the DEA has been uh, has been pushing really hard to sort of raise awareness, let parents know, let students know, be careful um, uh, from these drugs. They they can be really harmful and especially cause students uh, and, and children to die. And so that's that's sort of a big push, uh, a big uh, awareness campaign that's happening this fall. Some school districts are also leaning into something called high dosage tutoring to keep students on track and to, to help them recover from learning losses from the pandemic. Remind us how severe those losses were. Yeah, this is a big issue. You talk to any educator, any administrator, sort of anyone involved with education these days and they really want people to know kids are have been really affected by COVID and that it's something that is still lingering kids um sort of we we heard a lot about uh students social development after COVID you know they're home they're not seeing friends they don't they're not really talking to as many people and so that social development can get stunted um but especially with technology access gaps during COVID. We heard so much about kids don't have internet, kids don't have computers. Um, That started to be bridged, but it still wasn't the same for a lot of kids learning from home, and they sort of missed some concepts they should have uh, grabbed along the way. They um, missed lessons they they were supposed to have along the way, and so that is something that um, schools are, are still grappling with. Educators, families are still grappling with. Yeah. Yeah. How, how a, exactly would the high dosage tutoring work? Yeah. So there's been a lot of uh, research. You don't really want to go back and um, sort of reteach a lot of things to students because you you don't want them to fall behind sort of academically and their peers and socially. And so a way that districts are addressing this, they have high dosage tutoring is what it's called, sort of just one-on-one tutors to help students along the way. And so you really focus, um, you match a student with a tutor, they really focus on drilling down on concepts, answering questions, sort of having an extra adult there to help them through academically where you might not get that in a lot of public school classrooms that are 30 kids and the teacher has 200 students in various classes. And so the the tutor is able to focus that attention on the student and help them with concepts that they're struggling with. Let's jump to another topic, Nader. Tell us what's going on with disability services. Yeah, so this is uh this isn't really a new service, but it's it's sort of more information on an existing service. There's something called the PUNS database. Um, it offers extra services for, for disabled students. Uh, PUNS stands for Prioritization of Urgency of Need for Services. And so what this system does is it registers people who need, you know, support services like community integrated living arrangements, adaptive equipment, mm-hmm. um, child group homes, home-based supports, those types of things that go beyond what a classroom typically offers. Is this, is this a one, step beyond like students on IEPs, individualized education programs? Yeah, so not every student who has an IEP needs these services, but many do. And so okay. the, the new law that's going into effect is going to require schools at a student's yearly IEP meeting to let families know about these uh, this database, about these services, and help them get registered if they want to. 
Finally, Constitution Day. I'm going to admit, I, I'd never heard of this, Nader. So what is it and what, what exactly is changing in schools? Yeah, so I think for a lot of schools, nothing really is going to change. But if their school decides they want a Constitution Day, they can now have one. Every year on September 17th now, schools have the opportunity and the option to um, sort of teach about the United States. This was a downstate Republican-led initiative to add what's called a commemorative holiday. It doesn't give anyone a day off, but it allows schools to teach about a topic. Um, Yeah. Interesting. Kids might love to have another state-mandated holiday, but that's not the case here. <laughs> right. That's no, no more days off. No more days off, yeah. That's Nader Issa of the Chicago Sun-Times walking us through new education laws hitting the books this year and some new resources that are going into effect as well. Thank you, Nader. Thank you.